Thank you, Jeremy and Renee, for leading us in worship this evening. Uh, thank you all for being here this evening. I want to reiterate what Daniel said when we started about this morning and uh, Dr. Samuel Parkinson presenting to us a very encouraging message from God's Word. And I was also on a cloud um, from his charge, not only to unbelievers, to draw them to look to Christ for salvation, for a newness of life, and that start of that relationship, but his charge to us as Christians was very encouraging, and I look forward to the uh, ability to watch it again and listen to him again with our uh, technology we have available to us through YouTube, and but the thing, the charge that he stuck out to me was he charged us that we must be concerned with our worship to God. That concern should be the number one concern on our heart. The center of our life should be our concern on our worship to God. To be setting aside ourselves to worship God to do all things for his glory. And it hit me hard. So here we are Sunday evening. Thank you for each of you coming out to worship together with me. Lord willing, this evening, the center of our heart and our mind and our thought would be that we are here to worship God, that we've set aside this time to give him worship and truly worship him. Our enemy, the devil, wants to take that away at every moment. So uh, as we get started, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this Lord's Day, another day that you've blessed us with this Sunday morning to come and worship you with our mouths, our hearts, and our ears. Thank you, Lord, for this Sunday evening, this privilege and freedom that you've blessed us with to worship you once again by looking into your word. We pray, Lord, at this time that you would bind Satan from this building in each of our hearts and our minds, that we would not be distracted, that the center of our heart and mind would be focused on worshiping you, Lord, through looking in your word. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. Two weeks ago, on Sunday, exactly, was April 17th, I believe. And on that day, through the McShane Bible Reading Program, the passage we were in was uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and... I'd like for us to look over that this evening. It will be on the screen. This passage is a passage like maybe some of you can relate as you read and study God's Word. You feel like uh, a bulldozer ran over you. Or maybe you got a light bulb gone off with some clarity. Or maybe a glimpse of hope, a key of understanding was unlocked 
And that's how this passage was for me. As um, we share it and look into it this evening, it's uh, 21 verses, but I'd just like to look at 18. That sounds like a lot. Not going to go over in detail on every verse. But if you are encouraged by any of these passages or have some insight on them, please be encouraged to encourage me by sharing that with me later on, or also your brothers and sisters, because this is exciting looking into God's Word and this portion of God's Word. Um, If you'd allow me to read, starting at the very end of verse 2, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's uh, giving him great direction and discipleship, discernment, um, everything good that we need. Paul is writing, and he's writing things that are helpful to us. He starts, teach and urge these things at the very end of verse 2, starting in verse 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up and conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are deprived in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world And we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, I charge you in this presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 
As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good words, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Thank you for bearing with me through that lengthy passage. Friday night, about 8 o'clock, east of Wichita, tornadoes touched down and wreaked a lot of havoc. And maybe most of you have seen this on social media, on the news. Uh, The Weather Channel app has constant videos of weather. Um, Seeing this was amazing, God's beauty with the power of a tornado in still daylight that was sadly wreaking destruction east of Wichita. Praise God, so far the report is no one was killed and only one person was trapped for a short time. But if you had the chance to see any of this at all, if you saw the videos along social media and the As today, everybody has a cell phone, everybody's a cameraman. You heard the urgency of the people. Move. Get to safety. Get in a shelter right now. Some were screaming with horror at what they were seeing was happening. I think Paul is urging Timothy, and us in this passage. Teach and urge these things. The title, before we started reading, said False Teachers and True Commitment. We have been studying as a church in Galatians about false teachers and false doctrine. Through Daniel, our pastors Daniel and Wood, through Jude, false teachers. False teachers. Sometimes we hear words and they can trigger in us something. And I believe that Satan could trigger in me the idea that I shouldn't be concerned about false teachers or false doctrine. I was reassured this morning hearing Dr. Samuel Parkinson that I should be very concerned as a Christian, as a believer in God's word, about false teachers and false doctrines spreading. It's the work of Satan spreading lies and unbiblical truths to sway people down the path of untruthfulness. Amazingly, in the New Testament, There is so much written about them. 
and the dangers of false teachers. What encourages me about this passage is it incorporates false teachers with money, wealth. When he starts out, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and a teaching that accords with godliness, he is a puffed-up, conceited person that understands nothing. These people are unhealthy and craving controversy, quarreling about words to misguide people. And it's our job as a believer in God's word and the truth to help guide the true light of Christ and to stop the spread of false teachers and false doctrine. I think that Satan can easily pry his way into any church and give us a feeling of something is okay to let it slide. That's okay, we'll let that slide. That's okay, we'll let that slide. And I think that's where the path starts for false teachers to take hold. Paul does a great job here warning Timothy because he gives a great description of a false doctor and false teacher. Someone who is striving to teach out of gain or to sway a people out of their own personal gain. They are unhealthy, craving for controversy, quarrel about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicions. Constant friction among people of depraved in mind and depraved of the truth. They are starved for the truth and they are starved in their mind. It's our job to help teach the truth of God's word. That Christ alone gives salvation alone through believing in him, not adding to the gospel or taking away from the gospel, looking to his word for the truth. He switches right here and he tells that they use this as a means of gain. Now, he goes into worldly wealth gain, but also gain can be viewed as power, strategy, control. And these are things that we as Christians, I believe, need to be having our eyes open looking for because Satan is constantly wanting to infiltrate in some way. In verse 6 is the verse that encourages me and smacks me between the eyes. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I feel like he shifts here and he's encouraging Timothy to help Timothy not to go down the path of um falsely proclaiming God's word for uh, bad motives. And he's saying, Timothy, he has the insight. Godliness, living a godly life and being content with that is great gain. I believe Paul knew what he was talking about when he told Timothy that. So these are words that we can trust. 
And he goes on to describe this more. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of this world. That verse right there gives me a picture of if I came home and my house was on a big fire and I had just enough time to run in and grab a few things, what would I grab? I'd definitely grab Sherry if she was there. Is there a list of things, worldly things, worldly treasures we have that we think about, that we maybe sometimes worship, that we like, that we could be tempted to love and care about? We came into this world with nothing. We can leave with nothing. He goes on to say, but Timothy, but God's people, if we have food and clothing, with these things, we will be content. Contentment. He goes back to the warnings. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. The desire to be rich allows somebody to make an allowance for an evil in their life. And I am amazed at Paul's insight and depth in reading this, writing this to Timothy because he knows and he's seen it and he can accurately depict it through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is writing through Paul here to help Timothy and also us. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. I, I sadly say and confess I can look back on my life and say that there was probably a time I may have been in a pinch and I had something to sell and wanted to sell it and maybe it wasn't as good as I was saying it truly was. Or I made a allowance for sinning to try and gain. This is what he's talking about. Could fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. A snare is a trap. Many of us don't know that. Trapping is a great hobby that has lost maybe popularity over time. A snare pulls in and doesn't let out. A snare holds a person in a position and doesn't let them go. The temptation to be rich is like a snare. For the love of money is the root is a root of all kinds of evil. Through its cravings, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Before we talk about the word pangs, I may not be pronouncing it right. I had to look it up. I really appreciate hearing this passage preached on in the past because it's misquoted and mispreached. And I may be doing that now. I would like to be rebuked if I am, corrected at some point if I am. 
The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's not saying money is evil or money is bad. It is saying the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. As we know here, vegetable gardeners, farmers, planters, those of you that have trees you take care of, through God's amazing grace and His creation, the roots spread deep into the ground to retrieve nutrients and pull those nutrients into the plant to to produce something. Root of all kinds of evil, evil is produced through the love of money. It's one that hits me hard. And I, I want to talk about it for just a second. Because if you step back and look closely at our society, movies, TVs, radio, our culture, our culture is steeped in what we have, our status, and the things that make up our status, is what we drive, our clothes, our house, where we live, bank accounts. The lost in this world focus on that and that alone. And it leaves them empty with a hole in their heart. It is also a temptation for us because we are in this culture. This culture affects us. What we have, what we look like, our bank accounts, our status, our car, may be giving false security. Pangs. They are setting themselves up for many pangs. Please forgive me one second as I find pangs. The uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, a piercing of pain or a sharp attack of mental anguish. After I read that definition, we should be using pangs in our everyday vocabulary. If you search for a study one of our hardest battling illnesses, especially, unfortunately, in elementary schools, is mental anguish. And I'm wondering if we're in this because the culture's love of money has produced a root of evil. Okay, thank you for letting me share these warnings. Verse 11 But as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Our charge, our marching orders, Timothy, God's people, as for you, O Christian, O follower of Christ, person of God, child of God, strive. For righteousness. Pursue it. 
godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. I pray as I read those words, since we have a short time tonight, not going to go over each one of those words in great detail, but I pray as I read those words, you can see and know and believe if our culture had more of us pursuing righteousness, showing godliness to others, being faithful in hard times and hardships, giving love to those who don't deserve love because Christ first loved us, right? That steadfastness of continuingness, not just a momentary show of kindness to somebody, but being steadfast to them, and gentleness. What an impact that would make on our community, our circles, people around us. And he charges them, continue to fight the good fight, verse 12. Hold on to the faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. If you would like to write this down, the good confession that Jesus gave in front of Pontius Pilate is John chapter 18, verses 35 through 37, and it is encouraging. Which he will display at the proper time, in verse 15. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to be him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Praise God. He, Paul is reminding Timothy why. Gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, love, steadfastness, pursuing righteousness and godliness. Because God, the Father, the one who holds immortality, the one that holds our eternity, the one who has created heaven and earth, the one who's loved us so much that he gave his son to pay the sacrifice. That is why. That's our center of worship. I wanted to present this whole passage Because here in verse 17, he comes back to his charge of godliness with contentment is great gain. Brought nothing into the world, can't take anything out. Our view of wealth, riches, money is, is, needs to be biblical. And God wants to do it through these verses. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I uh, don't know what you think the definition of rich is or what a rich person looks like. In my short 48 years 
here on earth and learning about places in the world. Um, like to share about one, but we don't have the time. Uh, there are places in the world where people have nothing. Uh, literally nothing. Um, I got to hear a missionary present on Myanmar. And it was very encouraging. A church sent a 20-year-old vehicle to their church. And the overwhelming thankfulness to that church in Myanmar for this 20-year-old vehicle was humbling. As for the rich in this present age, I'm going to go bold here on a limb and say that is each one of us in this room. Uh, To be living in a place where we do have food and clean water, places of shelter, places of a church building such as this, this is a richness in a life. As for the rich in this present age, charge them, encourage them, Timothy, God's people, not to be haughty. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. It's not a word I grew up using. Love to hear more about this word haughty from anybody that maybe had used it at a time. Once again, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. The word haughty, blatantly and disdainfully proud, having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people or things perceived to be inferior. I don't know about you, but this hits me hard. Because as though maybe some people's definition of rich I'm not rich, but really when I take a step back and see all that God has blessed me with in this life, not physical, but abilities, health, knowledge of Him, talents, time, and to have enough earthly wealth, money, Riches to be able to come and go to purchase groceries. I have been accused, or I know, yeah, have been accused, and I know at times I have perceived and been contempt to people that I think are inferior. That's being haughty. Paul is charging Timothy, do not be haughty or set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. This word, uncertainty of riches, is a truth that our culture, non-Bible-believing Christian culture, does not believe or understand. Maybe I'm speaking beyond my knowledge of what I know, but I have the assumption that most people, they think 
if I win the lottery, I'm going to be set. Well, I've seen more than one documentary showcasing lottery winners. And less than 1% of them still have any of their lottery winnings. And they can go back and share that at that time, that was when my life was ruined. Uncertainty of riches. He's describing a people that put their life circumstances certainty in their riches. This is the best part. In, uh, as they set their hopes on the uncertainty and riches, but on God who richly presides us with everything to enjoy. Amen. Praise God. Instead of putting your trust in worldly wealth, we are called to put our trust in God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. We people, we church, we fellow brothers and sisters, we are to do good, to be generous in good works, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. God has gifted us with everything we need for our enjoyment. Part of that enjoyment is to share. Each one of us here has a time, talent, and treasure that God has gifted us with to be able to share. Thus, and when we do that, we are storing up, verse 19, treasures for ourselves as a good foundation for the future. If we stand on the foundation of the treasures we build up for God, sharing in goodness to others, that we may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul is telling Timothy, this is what it is. This is what it is. Our center of worship to worship God, and we have the opportunity to take hold of that which is truly life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He closes, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. All the things he mentioned in this passage of warnings and detailed descriptions that he's sharing with Timothy, the individuals who followed this swerved from the faith. They left the faith. And he says, O Timothy, guard your deposit entrusted to you. Before I close in prayer, I would ask, believer, fellow brother, sister, that I would charge you from this verse, guard your deposit of what Christ has entrusted in you. That deposit is the true life. That deposit is great gain. That deposit will outweigh any of the worldly riches in ways that we can't even imagine. And I would ask that you would charge that to me and that we would talk about it, keep each other accountable for it. Thank you. 
for listening through this time. By your mind, I'm going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these words that Paul charged to Timothy and to us. As we looked at them together, Lord, and as I pray that your spirit spoke through me to share where you've touched me with this passage, I ask, Lord, in your name that you'd use this passage in your, all of your word to touch every one of us and that we might strive more and more every day to be on the lookout for false teachers and to hold tight to the deposit of Christ and your spirit that you've placed onto us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.